Good morning, and uh, thank you, uh, Bill and Becky and Dave and Vicki. Much appreciate your uh, ministry uh, to us and to the Lord. And as you have seen, it's my privilege today to proclaim to you, to introduce to you, the one who made the most audacious and politically incorrect statement of all time. These statements set him apart as either an imposter and a liar, or deluded, or just perhaps the one he said he is. But before we go there, we need to discuss a philosophical issue. Pilate, in his discussion with Jesus of Nazareth, just before Jesus was crucified, posed the question, but didn't wait for an answer. Perhaps he thought, as many today think, that there is no answer. He asked, what is truth? For many today, the uh, term truth is an elastic idea. You've heard it said many times, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. There is what is referred to as scientific truth, and then there's everything else, which is treated as opinion. Of course, when you drill down, you realize and you discover that that's just a, a, a surface concept, and that everyone does, in fact, hold that there are truths that simply cannot be altered. Um, Michael Edwards, uh, a few years ago, wrote a, a book he called Gravity. True for you, but not for me. And he made... He's just asked these questions. He says, if you were dying of a deadly but curable disease, would you want the right medication to survive? Would you want to know the truth about the risks of, uh, before investing your life savings? Do you want your family and friends to tell you the truth once in a while, or all the time. If you were charged with a murder which you did not commit, would you want the truth to come out? And if you want the truth in these areas, then it appears that truth really is important to you. So what's on the other side of death? If God exists and your destination after physical death is based on the choices you make in this life, would truth about eternity be important? And he goes on. It's, a, it's an excellent little book. You'll probably find it for free. Um, so what is truth? 
Well, the dictionary defines truth as conformity with fact or reality. A verified or indisputable fact, proposition, principle, or the like, such as mathematical truths. The quality of being true, genuine, actual, or factual. The state or quality of being faithful. And allegiance. We sometimes describe someone as a true friend, meaning that this person is faithful and can be counted upon to stand with you in the most difficult and trying circumstances. We have been blessed to count many of you as true friends, as you have stood by us through many difficult times. There are other ways that we use the term, too. At the funeral of a friend some years ago, he was described as being straight and true. When a bicycle wheel has become out of round, for example, as a result of hitting a curb or a pothole, the restoration of the wheel to usefulness is described as truing. And when Jim hangs a door, he has to ensure that the door frame is straight and true. But if you were to stand up at Tim Hortons one morning and loudly declare that Jesus is the only way to God, you would likely get a variety of responses. Many would put you down as a crackpot. Others would bristle and accuse you of being intolerant, narrow-minded, bigoted, and hateful. After all, don't all religions provide ways to God? Who are you to claim that there is only one way? And how do you have the arrogance and audacity to suggest that you know what that way is? The evening of his betrayal and arrest found Jesus preparing his friends for what was about to happen. And I invite you to turn to John chapter 14. If you happen to be using the brown Bible in the pew, it's on page 1675. John chapter 14. A familiar passage for most of us. Beginning at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this statement might be called the singular solution. Uh, Jesus separates himself here from all his competition. But notice the definite article, the. Jesus does not say, I am a way and a truth and a life. He insists that he is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is not only saying that he is the way to heaven. He's also saying he is the only way. That you cannot get there any other way. Because all other ways fall short. You can't get there by being good. You cannot get there by being religious. You cannot get there by being sincere. You cannot get there by ceremony or by special knowledge or by pedigree. There simply is no other way than through Him. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus does not merely point the way. He is the way. He does not merely teach us the truth. He is the truth. He does not merely represent one avenue to life. He is the life. This is an exclusive claim that cannot be compromised. In a word, the human quest for God ends in Jesus Christ. And now I have said it. So you can call me an intolerant, narrow-minded bigot. It's okay. Now we could spend a long time dissecting this one verse from John's Gospel, but for today we'll focus on just one part of it. Jesus said, I am the truth. And then the necessary connection and corollary that no one comes to the Father except through me. Back in the mid-50s, William Barclay put it this way, Many men have told us the truth, but no man ever embodied the truth. There is one all-important thing about moral truth. The character of the man who teaches academic or scientific truth does not much affect his message. A man's character does not really affect his teaching of geometry or astronomy or Latin verbs. But if a man proposes to teach moral truth, his character makes all the difference in the world. An adulterer who teaches the necessity of purity, a grasping person who teaches the value of generosity, a domineering person who teaches the beauty of humility, an embittered person who teaches the beauty of love, is bound to be ineffective. 
moral truth cannot be conveyed solely in words. It must be conveyed in example. And that is precisely where the greatest human teacher falls down. No teacher has ever embodied the truth he taught, except Jesus. Many a man could say, I have taught you the truth. Only Jesus could say, I am the truth. The tremendous thing about Jesus is not that the statement of moral perfection finds its peak in him, although that is true. It is that the fact of moral perfection finds its realization in him. And Jesus is far more than merely a teacher of moral truth. And we're in desperate need today for the truth in place of religious ignorance and error. Jesus alone gives us the perfect revelation of the Lord God. A few years after his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews put it this way. He said, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand, the majesty on high. When Adam sinned, he became alienated from God and tried to hide himself. After believing the devil's lie, he was no longer able to perceive the truth. And he no longer had spiritual life because his relationship with God had been severed. God's law is strictly enforced. And Adam had been warned that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All our fallen parents produced fallen children, including we ourselves. And we in turn do the same. Because every one of us is fallen, we cannot perceive the truth without divine intervention. So claiming to have even a shred of truth raises the ire of those who do not know him who is truth. Jesus is the full, final, and complete revelation of the living God. The structure of the sentence here in John's Gospel is such that it places a strong emphasis on the subject of the sentence. So that the English translation almost needs to be, I and I alone am the truth. 
Jesus is the actual embodiment of truth. He's the authoritative representative and revealer of God. He hears what the Father says and does what the Father tells him to do. Jesus is the very reality of all God's grace toward us sinners. Grace and truth are not merely given to us as abstractions. They come through the living person of Jesus Christ. And you don't need a free book from the cults or a corrected version of the King James Bible from the cults. Adam believed the devil's lie and human beings still believe it today because we have our spiritual senses darkened. The Apostle Paul said that human beings are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Ouch. But the truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He reveals the Father. He exposes our sin and unbelief. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Humanity has exchanged the truth about God for a lie. But the very truth of God resides in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is full of grace and truth. And is the only and unique source of grace and truth. Truth is God's very reality revealing itself in Jesus. Truth is knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. To have the truth is to have eternal life. To have the truth is to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in a very personal, intimate relationship with the Father through Him by the power and working of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis in this tremendous statement, I am the truth, is not just truth as opposed to a lie. It is not just reality as opposed to an illusion. Emphasis is here on his faithfulness, his reliability, his trustworthiness, his sureness. Jesus is the God of truth, absolute truth is a characteristic of God. And it is only as we know God that we know truth. It includes the complete reliability and integrity of God. Our God will always act in accordance with the highest conceivable level of integrity and righteousness. In other words, in accordance with His own character. But without Jesus, we are under the power and influence of the devil and he's the father of lies. On the other hand, Jesus himself is the truth about God. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the father. Without Jesus, 
we are without truth and are still in our trespasses and sins. Jesus tells us that a true knowledge of the Father can only be obtained through a true knowledge of the Son. He said, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. If the Son is truly known, the Father is truly known. We can know the Father only to the extent that we know the Son. And no further. Now, Christ was more than merely the appearance of God. He was God in the flesh. He is the only begotten who has fully declared Him. He is the God-man, as it were, both fully human and fully God. When Jesus said, I am truth, an emphasis is on the fact that you can know, know him so clearly that it may be said that you see him. The work of the Holy Spirit is to take the things of Christ and show them to the believer. Verse, uh, chapter 14 and verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And in response, Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In seeing Jesus, Philip was seeing God himself. He's the one in whom God can be found because he is the end, he is the goal. There's no use looking anywhere else. The truth is, as Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Philip said, Show us the Father. And Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know who I am? What Philip wanted was right there before his eyes. The glorious revelation of God was right there before him. Right in front of him. The Word made flesh was dwelling, was tabernacling before us. 
And his glory was, as John put it, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A few years later, Paul put it this way. He is the image of the invisible God. And in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In verses 10 and 11, Jesus explains and illustrates. He says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on on account of the works themselves. Jesus the Christ was in the Father, and the Father was in Him. There's a a, a perfect and intimate union between the Father and the Son. Both the words and the works of Jesus were a perfect revelation of deity. Jesus spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it happened. A few days earlier, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, his dead friend came out of the grave alive. Only God can do that. Every time Jesus opened his mouth to say something, it was the Father who spoke through him. That perfect union between Father and Son. When Jesus spoke, every word and utterance was truly his, but what he said and the words he employed were the Father's own thought and speech. The two speak as one because they are one. Jesus in the Father, the Father in Jesus. If Jesus is the truth, then it follows that everything he says, everything he said, is true. And he said some incredible things. Like, no one comes to the Father except through me. Muhammad never said that. The Buddha never indicated that he was the embodiment of truth. Neither did Moses, nor Krishna, nor any of the other founders of any of the other religious movements in the history of humanity. Jesus alone had the authority to claim that no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Because he alone is the truth. And for evidence of this, Jesus invites us to look at what he did. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. 
He gave sight to the blind and mobility to the lame. He drove out demons. But his single greatest act was his death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection. I've said it before that it's it's one thing to predict your own death. And maybe even to predict the means of your death and the timing of it. And as I read the Gospel accounts, it, it seems at times that Jesus was almost deliberately provoking the authorities so that they would seek His death. Now that's one thing. And probably any of us could do that. But to predict that on the third day following his death, he would be resurrected. Now that's something a little different. No one else has ever risen from the grave, especially after such a brutal flogging and crucifixion. Jesus alone has been raised because he and the Father are one. Because it was not possible for God the Son to remain in the grave. Now, should you be inclined to deny that Jesus has been raised, just consider that there is an abundance of evidence to support the claim. But unfortunately, we don't have time to share that this morning. But if Jesus was crucified and is now risen from the dead, what is your verdict? Was Jesus an imposter? Was he a liar? Was he deluded, perhaps? No. A thousand times no. On the basis of all the words and works of Jesus, on the basis of the resurrection, On the basis of all these things, we can with assurance agree with Jesus when he said, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want the truth? Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe that. The Father is in me and I am in the Father. So what's our response? Have you humbled yourself and bowed down to Him who is truth? Eternal truth. It's not enough to come to Jesus for a dose of truth. We go to Google to find a fact. Jesus is the truth. And the only way we can know that truth is to know Him. To be in an intimate, continuing, daily relationship with Him. The beauty of His offer to us is that knowing Jesus, we also know the Father And knowing we have eternal life. Knowing Jesus, we get so much more. 
John put it this way, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Bill Crowder wrote this. On a teaching trip outside the U.S., my wife and I were denied entry into our country of destination because of visa problems. Although we were under the assumption that our visas had been correctly issued by the country we planned to visit, they were deemed invalid. Despite the efforts of several government officials, nothing could be done. We weren't allowed in. And we were placed on the next flight back home. No amount of intervention could change the fact that we did not have the proper validation for entrance. That experience with my visa was inconvenient, but it can't begin to compare with the ultimate entry rejection. I'm speaking of those who will stand before God without valid entry into heaven. What if they were to present the record of their religious efforts and good deeds? That would not be enough. What if they were to call character references? That wouldn't work. Only one thing can give anyone entry into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ alone, through his death and resurrection, paid the price for our sins. And only he can give us valid entry into the presence of the Father. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Make sure you have valid entry into heaven. The other day I, I heard on the radio Max Locato put it this way. God loves you so much that he would rather die for you than live without you. That's what the crucifixion was all about. God, Jesus, dying for you so that he would not have to live without you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege that you've given Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the truth. For not sugarcoating it. For not hiding it from us. But for clearly revealing it in your beloved Son. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you would send him to die in our place, to be raised from the dead, to be the way for us to come to you. Lord, we give you our thanks because of him we can call you Father. And in his name we give you our praise. Amen.
team, is there another song?